Hello and welcome to the Dad Wisdom Podcast. I'm Jeff Young, a high school teacher and dad of two young men, and this is a podcast about encouraging and educating young men and being a great dad. Today on my show, we've got James Breakwell, a professional comedy writer and father of four girls under the age of eight, plus two pigs. And we're going to talk about James's books, and we're going to talk about the zombie apocalypse at some point during this interview. So enjoy this wide-ranging interview with James Breakwell. Hi, James. It's great to have you on the show. I got to tell you that when I decided to start this Dad Wisdom podcast, I knew I wanted to get you on as soon as I could. I've been a fan of your Instagram ever since I read one of your articles in the Indianapolis Star. So welcome to the Dad Wisdom podcast. Thank you for having me. I will uh, I will try to set the bar low so all your subsequent guests can go right over me. I'll just uh, I'll set that standard right now. That sounds good. We'll, we'll try not to have too many highbrow guests on here. You know, we just... <laughs> We just want to talk about how to be good dads, and I'm just really excited to talk to you about maybe some parenting stuff, and um, you know, I feel like you have a lot of fun with your kids. Am I way off on that one? Yeah, I mean, uh, parenting is everything. It's just like the rest of life. It's fun and crazy and awful and everything all rolled into one. It's uh, yeah. we've had we've had quite a night tonight. Uh, are you uh, are you on my email list by chance? Yeah. Oh no, I'm on your Instagram though. I got to get on your email feed. I'm gonna put you on the spot there. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, I, I share the longer stories. Every once in a while, something goes so wrong, I can't I can't fit it in a tweet. It just becomes a huge story. This last weekend, I had a a crazy adventure up in Michigan that was like 4,600 words long, but tonight I. I had something that happened. When is this episode coming out? Is it coming out? It's not coming out uh, before uh, Monday, is it? No, absolutely not. It'll take okay. a week or so to get this. All right, so I, I, I won't spoil that. But basically, I, I speaking of the ups and downs of parenting, I showed up at my kids' daycare today, my three-year-olds. And like the daycare ladies immediately surround me and they're like, we need to talk. It's like, no that, is, that is not good. That is not what I want to hear. No. And I see my kid, like she's clearly still alive. It's like, oh, what, what did she do? Did she hurt somebody? Is she getting expelled from three-year-old daycare? Like what's happening here? She cut her hair, like huge, huge chunks of her hair. Like she just went to town, like she used a weed whacker. Uh, and wow. then like, you know, so the kids are all on thin ice after that. And then my four year old, for some reason, we're moving stuff around. We're like just finished a home renovation furniture's going upstairs and downstairs and finally get this piece of furniture in the living room. And she goes and she like picks the finish off of it. There was like a, a sticker veneer or something or paint. And she just like picks off the front of it. So it looks like a gerbil chewed all the way across this TV thing. And it's like, Oh, and my wife is just furious. And it's like, okay, it's the second thing. Nothing else can go wrong tonight. And like, so we just send the kids upstairs early for baths and like 40 minutes later, I'm walking down the stairs and there is water dripping through the ceiling from like from the no. second floor to the first floor, water dripping. Like I, 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 I have never seen a scarier sight in my life. We go in the bathroom, there's water. It's, it's all come out of the tub. It's going down through the pipes. Oh. I mean, just, it, it has been chaos tonight. So, so when you ask me, is parenting fun? It is fun at moments. Tonight, tonight was not one of those nights. It, uh, tonight man. was one of the nights that makes people remember to take yeah, their birth control. I'm pretty sure I've had about a million nights like that because my kids are 18 and 16 now, and so uh, it's hard to remember like the the three year old phase. But man, it's just it's just a constant worry, and it's a constant 
craziness around the house for sure. In fact, I right before we got on the phone, I recorded something I wanted to play for you. This is what was going on in my house maybe like 10 minutes before we talked. You ready? Sure. So this is my son playing tenor sax and the dog barking along with it. <laughs> so I thought I would inc- uh, give you a little taste of what it's like to be at my house there. But uh, yeah, Tyler was like, I know I have six minutes before you're doing this podcast, Dad. So I'm going to get all this tenor sax practicing out of the way. <laughs> so, James, I noticed that you were the blogger of the year. Is that right? Or blogger dad of the year? Is that true? Yeah, I'm, I mean, you, you got to take that honor with a grain of salt. It was just uh, a vote for your favorite blogger, Dad. And I, I don't even know that I really qualify as a blogger. But basically, I just uh, I put it out there to my million followers to vote for me at the last minute. And we we kind of stole the election. But we only I only did it because there was supposed to be a prize. There's supposed to be a hamper full of goods, which I guess in the UK where the magazine is, it's like a basket. And I never got my gift basket. And I am still two years later grinding that axe. I, I am owed a hamper of goods from the UK. Yeah. And it's not like some hard hitting journalism magazine, right? This was like uh, one of the ones you see on the grocery on your way out. I, I don't even know. I don't think it's in the U.S. It's the a closer magazine. I, I, I assume it's a real magazine. They contacted me like it was a real magazine. But and then there was supposed to be some sort of column to go with it. And that never happened. But that's that's the way of things with the Internet. When you do business there, things appear and disappear. And you just you just roll with it. You always got to be working on the next deal because the last one probably already fell through. Yeah, I had uh, I had like 200 or 230,000 before BuzzFeed. I'd been at it since 2012. So about four years I'd worked up. I'd gone viral with Very Lonely Luke and got 300,000 followers on that. Uh, but it on, on my main account, Exploding Unicorn, had been kind of a slow grind. And then they ran the article on me and things exploded. I, I really grew fast after that. And that's where the book deal and all that stuff came from, uh, or at least where it started. But that wasn't the start of the process by any means. I'd been writing for years and years. Uh, and, you know, I'd been on Twitter for years. And it was just kind of the kind of the last final dash to the finish line was that BuzzFeed article. So have you worked from home for a long time as being a writer? I'm, I'm sure you're mostly work from home, right? I, I do all sorts of stuff. I still actually have a day job, which is something I try to downplay because that's, that's not a funny <laughs> part of my life. That's a sad part of my life. Yeah. But yeah, I do. Um, yeah, I write the books from wherever I am. And then, you know, the, the Twitter stuff from home. Uh, I, I do stuff from all over the place. I, I, my office in, in my house is like a tiny room. It's like 80 square feet. So for tax purposes, it's terrible. You can't deduct very much of the value of the home. My wife's like, you should deduct the whole house. You wander <laughs> around the whole house writing on your phone. And you, you know what? I'm, I'm going to do that next year. The, the whole square footage of the house counts because I do a lot of my writing just pacing, watching and seeing what the kids are going to do or trying to avoid them one or the other. Yeah, I've noticed that on your Instagram. Uh, you know, I think it's really cool. Like uh, there there are funny things that have happened my entire life with my kids, but I rarely wrote them down. And it's so cool to watch your Twitter feed because I'm like, that probably happened at my house. I just didn't write it down. I think that's why it connects with so many people like these, these stories that happen or almost happen or get made up. I mean, it's all kind of a mix. There's a universal truth underneath all of them that we've all been there. We've all, we've all been in these situations. If, if my kids were the only weird ones out there, I mean, I wouldn't have any Twitter followers, but it's even the weirder my kids are, the more normal they are really. Cause, cause everybody's kids are like that. Yeah. I, re- I remember one of your tweets. It was like, uh, one of your kids said something like, can I have more candy? And you were like, well, it'll make you sick. And then she was like, well, it'll make me happy first. And I was like, I'm pretty (laughs) sure that exact conversation has happened at my house at least once in my lifetime. 
Yeah, and I, I don't know that she's wrong. I mean, I uh, looking back, I, I I miss the days when I had an infinite metabolism and I could just eat buckets full of candy. If I could, if I was six again, I would eat all the candy. I think that's definitely the right move for her. But as a parent, it's my job to ruin all the fun. Yeah, for sure. And you don't even really have to write jokes. You know, you just walk around your house and listen. I guess. Well, it's a, it's a combination. I mean, some people think I'm just sitting there, you know, picking the low hanging fruit, but it's, it's a mix. Some of my tweets are real and some are exaggerated and some are made up and kind of the skill is, is kind of parsing between those things. Uh, but the most common way something happens is one of my kids will say something weird or quirky, but it's part of a larger monologue. It seems like kids always speak in breathless monologues. And the key is kind of capturing that bit and saying, okay, what made that funny? and What made that weird? And now how can I reverse engineer that so I can, I can convey why that was funny to everybody else without repeating the whole story. So sometimes I work backwards from one thing they say and get to the same point, or sometimes I get, they give me a starting point. I take it a different direction. And sometimes it is just a a straight quote. I mean, you get all to all types, but uh, the jokes only work if they carry that current of underlying truth about these, this is really the way kids act. And this is, these are really the the kind of things that kids say and do. So that I definitely, uh, I hew pretty close to them. And I know I'm hitting the mark because when people never accuse me of making up jokes uh, when I make up jokes. They only accuse me of making up jokes when I do direct quotes for my kids. Every time yeah. somebody comes out of the woodwork like, hey, you made that up. It's like, no, actually, that's a real one. So uh, if people can't uh, can't tell the difference, I figure I must be doing a pretty good job. I did a lot of videotaping of my kids. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot more work looking back through those videotapes. But I think someday you're going to be like looking back on your tweets going, yeah, I'm glad I did that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And, you know, memory is is a funny thing, too, because these are all the kinds of things my kids say and do, even if they didn't literally happen. Like at the time, I'm like, oh, yeah, that halfway happened or that one happened or that one didn't happen. Like after a year, I look back and it's like, yeah, these all happened. Yeah, that actually happened for sure. Yeah. If we if we have this conversation five years down the road, I'm going to swear every one of them is absolutely true. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm assuming that zombies actually never attacked your house, right? Yeah, that, that might be one place where we stretch the truth just a tad. But yeah, with, <laughs> so with just my, for our uh, listeners, my... your one of your books is called uh, what? Surviving a Zombie Apocalypse. Yeah. Uh, Only dead on the inside: A Parent's Guide to Surviving the Zombie Apocalypse. And and how I came up with that? People wanted me to uh, after I went viral. They wanted me to write a book of tweets, and I didn't want to do that just because again, there are a mix of truth and fiction and exaggeration. It's all kind of mixed together with the way humor works on the internet. Uh, and I didn't want to get called out as a, as a liar, you know that 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 million little t- or the, uh, the there were there were a number of authors who kind of gotten in trouble for that recently, and I figured I might be okay, but I thought you know what, rather than writing a book that's like you know. Uh, you know, 50% true or 30% true. I'm going to write a book that's just 100% lies and just stay stay there. And so I, I went and th- just took parenting and, and stuck it in the zombie apocalypse to see how different it would be. And what I discovered is it really wasn't that different at all. You're always kind of in a state of chaos as a parent anyway. Uh, and adding zombies really didn't change that. It was just more of the same. So it was just a, a funny, quirky book that did pretty well. And it kind of spurred me on to all the subsequent book deals. So it was it was a fun one to write. You feel like your more recent books have actual parenting techniques and and like advice in them more more than the first book, or is it all pretty much just hey, this is our this is our shared experience as parents, and and this is kind of what we're all experiencing. They all they all have a hidden amount of wisdom in there. It's kind of surprising if you read that book on the zombie apocalypse. I think you will very much re- you know recognize the parenting techniques in there. And then my second book, uh, Bare Minimum Parenting: The Ultimate Guide to Not Quite Ruining Your Child. I came at that <laughs> from the opposite angle. Uh, it's actually very pertinent today with the scandal with. Uh, 
people trying to buy their way into college for their kids and all of this stuff. And I just took a look at that, you know, it will not to that specific things that wasn't going on. But at the time that Tiger Bomb book had come out, people were t- you know, trying to do as much as possible to give their kids a leg up in every area of life, just stressing themselves out, stressing their kids out. But then I look at adults and it's like, okay, you work so hard to give these kids a leg up. And what happens when they're adults? I mean, we all just kind of turn into average, mediocre human beings. And, and when you get to a point by the time you're 40 and 50, you can't tell who went to every t-ball game or who had a parent who went to all those games and who had extra tutoring. We all just kind of average out. I thought if we all just turn out average anyway, regardless of if we went to the best preschool or had the best stroller, let's take the opposite approach. What's the least you can do to still turn out a normal person? And it was going to originally just be a, a kind of a fun think piece. Uh, but as I wrote it, I accidentally proved a point. Um, I actually, I think that if you do less for your kids, sometimes it's actually better for them. You make them more independent. You give them more freedom. You give them less stress. You give yourself less stress. So they're going to get to the same place as everybody else's kids. They're just going to get there in a lot easier way. That's going to be a lot funner for or a lot more fun for you and a lot more fun for them. I, I got to tell you, James, like when I first saw, well, the first thing I saw of you was a picture of you and your kids and the kids had baseball bats and, and, uh, <laughs> uh, what, like a buzz saw. And, uh, I don't even know, like an ax yeah. or something. It was for your first book with the zombies and everything. But I, when I saw the title for this book that I was like, yes, that's perfect. Cause it's like, it says superior parenting, the ultimate guide to raising your child. But then like the superiors crossed out and it says bare minimum. And you know, the raising your child is changed into not quite ruining your child. And I thought, man, that, that's awesome because so many parents just need to hear just the title of that book and just to take themselves less seriously. Yeah, people are, they, they do take themselves so seriously. They're, they're worried that they're not going to raise this perfect child, but there are no perfect children. There are no perfect human beings. I mean, we're holding ourselves to an impossible standard. And this this book is, it's not about being a lazy parent or a worse parent. It's just about focusing your energy on things that actually matter. And I think the things that people stress out about for the most part are things that don't matter. Uh, you know, for example, uh, in the book, I go on, you know, before the age of, you know, four or five, your kid's not going to have any memories of what you did. What they're going to remember is just basically reconstructed memories of the things you took pictures of and the things you tell them about. So why are we so stressed out about if they have a per, you know perfect one-year-old birthday if you're the one controlling the narrative? Just, just lie to them. Tell them they had a great birthday party. They're not going to have any evidence to the contrary. And, and that's how you convince your kid retroactively that they had a great childhood. For sure. I don't even remember going to Disney World, but I've seen the pictures and <laughs> drives my parents <laughs> exactly. crazy. Like we spent all this money, you don't even remember going. Yeah, they spent thousands and thousands of dollars to go. And then, you know, or you can spend three bucks to go to the car wash and your kids are just as excited about that. I mean, anytime we have travel with my kids, they they never care about the city or the sites or the museums or the parks, but they get really excited about that hotel pool. And that's what they talk about. It's like, well, I could have just taken you to a pool back home and we could have saved some money there. So I definitely try to, to focus on the easy thrills there because their uh, capacity for memory is pretty limited. Yeah. And your Instagram isn't filled with like perfect photos of the perfect first birthday party, I bet. No, no, not at all. It's, it's full of stick figure comics, like from my first book. And it's also full of, you know, pig pictures and disasters and all of, all of those fun things. You've heard of helicopter parents, I imagine, right? Have you heard of the, uh, the new thing, the bulldozer parent? I, I've heard a lawnmower parents. I'm guessing it's the kind of the same kind of thing. You you rush in and destroy all the obstacles in your kid's path. Right. Before they even get there. It's like, cause yeah. you know, they can't yeah. possibly handle the psychological stresses that are, that are about to await them in life. 
I, the I thing is that those parents that. weren't raised like that. You can't tell me like the bulldozer parent is a second generation thing. It's like parents now are like, oh, our parents did it all wrong. We're going to do it right. It's like, well, how did you turn out then? How how did you turn out so smart that you know the best way to do everything if your parents were wrong about everything? We we act like we're the only generation to ever raise kids. It's like we've been doing this for hundreds of thousands of years. People successfully raised children before parenting books and they'll they'll successfully do it for, you know, long to come, many, many years to come without, without parenting books, except for mine. Of course, you should buy my parenting book. Not Absolutely. The other it should definitely go to Amazon and do that. Um, <laughs> I, I, I was thinking the other day that like, I, I teach some pretty high level students at the school. And one of them told me the other day that they had applied to 30 different colleges. And I was like, yeah, oh, I, what? That's crazy. <laughs> that's like a hundred dollars an application. Can't you just pick one or two you're interested in? I actually, uh, I did the Mary Kondo thing the other day and uh, started going through and throwing out old stuff. And I had a, a bin of like documents that I saved and thought were important. And a lot of them went back to high school. And I discovered, I guess in high school, they forced us to apply to uh, to schools just so we were trying. And there were schools in there that I applied to that I didn't even remember applying to. I think I probably applied to five or six total. And I, I, this many years later, I didn't even remember. I, I ended up just going to the one that gave me a scholarship that wasn't too far away. But, but yeah, we act like that those things are going to define your life. But really, um, and I guess it might be different for you because you're in academia. But for me, like, you know, the main, the main thrust of what I do, the social media stuff, the comedy writing, like I didn't learn any of that in school and school had no bearing on it whatsoever. So it was really, it was basically just kind of a daycare to hold me in place for four years. And I, I don't know that for a lot of kids, that's, that's really worth the money. No, for sure. You don't want to get in debt uh, for 150 grand for learning how to be funny. <laughs> do you have as much fun at home as it seems like you're having? Like, do you have any secrets for dads who just, you know, like maybe they're just really serious all the time or maybe they seem distant or, or busy or whatever. Like, do, do you make, do you consciously make time for your kids and just have time to play at home? I, yeah, I, I try to just, uh, observe and be cognizant of when we're interacting. I mean, I, I kind of have a, a bonus incentive. So my, my writing time, my gathering material time and my play time with the kids are one and the same. So when they're talking to me and, and, uh, you know, telling a story, it's not just, Oh boy, here goes a story. It's, huh. I wonder if this is going to be the start of another joke or the start of another email. Like I just, I kind of look at them like that. It's kind of like uh, Jane Goodall viewing the chimps, I guess. Yeah. I'm, I'm fascinated by my children. They're, they're funny and interesting and, and all kids say and do things like that. You just have to remember that I share the funny parts of parenting. I don't share all the temper tantrums. I don't share all the frustrations. I share the parts that I can laugh at or that I can twist around to make funny. Uh, you know, it's very much uh, a skewed perspective in that sense. But I guess if you were uh, if you were to go to anybody's life, even on the worst day as a parent, there are probably four or five moments that day where there's just a little glimmer, something that you can laugh about. And what I do is I go through and I make sure to save those four or five moments and build something around them. I mean, I've I've written jokes every single day since 2012. I can tell you there there have been a lot of bad days since 2012, a whole lot, but there's always something there's always something you can find in there that's good and that's and that's what I focus on. I think any parent can do that. You just have to remember that that, that no day is ever all good or all bad. There's always there's always something you can uh, that can make you smile. And if you if that's the only part you remember, if that's the part you record, then you really don't remember all the other stuff and you kind of pull the same trick that I pull with my kids. I'm trying to convince them they had a good childhood even if they didn't. If you uh if you only record the good parts of being a parent, you're going to think being a parent was a blast and the and then you'll trick somebody else into being a parent and they'll will continue for another generation. That's how the human race keeps going. 
Man, that's so true. I, I mean, gratitude is so important, you know, just reminding yourself what, what does go well during your day. And I, I think if, if our listeners get, you know, one thing out of this podcast, and it's honestly the reason I wanted to talk to you is because I, I think people need to remember to write down the good stuff and, and to not just assume that, you know, a year from now, you're going to remember all the good and fun things that you got to do with your kids, you know? Yeah, it's it's amazing how fast it goes. And I found, too, that when my kids say something funny, I've got to write it down right away. I can't I can't wait because it just the memory's not that good. It gets rolled in with everything else. And if you don't write it down, it's it's gone. Uh, so, you, you know, and then people say they recognize that their kids did said did things like that, uh, but they can't recall any specific instances. It all just kind of blurs together. So, yeah, I definitely I definitely re- recommend uh, recording some of those moments just so you can, uh, you know, remember for your own sake. Do you like to do that in a notebook or do you use like an Evernote or something like I that? I do it all on my phone. Uh, usually if a joke is any good, it can go right away. Uh, if I have to save it, it's usually not as good unless I my kids are crazy and I come up with a whole bunch of stuff in a row. Uh, but I also, I do everything in Google Docs um, if it's not directly into Twitter. I write all my books in Google Docs. I, I save all my jokes in Google Docs, all my drafts, everything like that. I, I love that program. Yeah, if it's really good, it goes straight to Twitter. Yeah, that's usually if it's something is good, it just clicks all the way together. I find if if something's almost there, I need to condense it or twist it just a little bit differently and have to think about it for a long time. Usually the longer you have to think about it, the worse it is. Uh, A good joke will come together right away, even if you you sit on it and say, I'll send it an hour or so. Usually you have the whole joke in one piece. And the more you have to work at it, the more unnatural it is. Did you let your Twitter followers name one of your kids or is that that wrong? The internet name. use pseudonyms for all my kids. I'm trying not to get them uh, murdered. But yeah, we had a, uh, when when my youngest was born, the three-year-old who cut her hair, she, uh, we, I had a, a NCAA style bracket, you know, I guess we're coming into March Madness now, and that was what inspired it. And they were all crazy, silly names. And uh, in the first bracket, there were two that were up against each other, Pancake and Waffle. And they I think it was actually a 50-50 tie on that one, so I just kind of picked Waffle as the winner. And it went on, and it ended up beating every other category, and so I've called her Waffle ever since, and that name is just stuck. It's the only name the internet knows her by, and oddly enough, the name really kind of fits. I wondered if at home you end up calling them by their pseudonyms. I actually, I I do sometimes. (laughs) I'll move back and forth between them. Or today, earlier, I was yelling at the pig, and I called the pig by a kid's name and called a kid by a pig's name. It just They all get jumbled together eventually. My my parents, I'm one of seven kids. My parents can never keep our names straight. I never understood why. Now I'm a parent. I never call my kids by the right names. It's, it's impossible. You mentioned the pig. I was going to ask you about that. Was that just because what's funnier than actually having a pig as a pet? Or like, that was, like who has a pig for a that pet? That was legitimately but, one of my life dreams. My dad used to be a pig farmer when I was real little, and that just kind of imprinted on my mind that pigs were great. I was obsessed with them through my early childhood, forgot about it for a while. Then I became an adult, found out about mini pigs. I was like, oh, I got to get one of those. My wife forbid me from spending money on one, but I thought, you know what? I've got a million followers on Twitter. I wonder if I can get one for free. And sure enough, I, I exploited that loophole. I found a, a pig breeder who agreed to give me a free pig if we got enough likes for her on social media. And uh, the Internet rallied around me to help me endanger my marriage. And within a week or two, we had that free pig. And then actually, I ended up with a second free pig through a different set of circumstances a year later. So now we've got two pigs. So I think I am completely full in the pig department. One dog and two pigs and four kids. I think we've got enough living things in this house. I think we'll we'll stop there. I think that sounds like plenty. I've got one dog and that's plenty for me as well. 
Yeah, dogs dogs come with their own set of challenges. I think I think kids are a lot easier than dogs, honestly. <laughs> At least you can reason with a kid. It's like, okay, that that remark hit home. Like I don't know that the, the words will ever sink in with a dog. Like my my dog knows roughly what's time to eat, but not exactly what time to eat. And so he'll start like loudly whining at me, sometimes like an hour in advance. And there's nothing I can tell him to make him understand that it's not time for food yet. So at least with kids, you can kind of make them understand, even if 10 seconds later they forget. I definitely, I definitely favor that 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 connection over the uh, just like the blank stares, which I guess. I also get sometimes from my kids. Yeah. So James wrapping this thing up, I don't know, maybe like our listeners have questions about what about, you know, if there's a zombie apocalypse, do you, do you have a favorite uh, story from your book about the zombie apocalypse and parent parenting? Yeah, actually uh, my, my favorite zombie tip from the whole book comes from near the end of it. I, I wrote this kind of big breathless rant about minivans and how minivans are the perfect vehicle for the zombie apocalypse. They're, they're powerful. You're probably not going to be driving off road anyway. They can haul a ton of stuff, lots of space for people and liquids and cup holders. And uh, those doors, they don't, you know, they slide. They're quiet like a ninja. Like I, I can't, I can go on and on about how great minivans are for the zombie apocalypse. So if you're out there and you're feeling guilty uh, that you drive a minivan, you think you're uncool, like you're the exact opposite. You are a survivalist and you are going to make it through the apocalypse. And if you don't have a minivan, uh, your life is in danger. You should definitely buy a minivan, even if you don't have kids. That is awesome advice. James, really enjoyed talking with you. Where can people find you on the internet and on the social? You can, uh, on my website, you can find me. It's explodingunicorn.com with the E. And you'll also get a pop-up on there to sign up for my newsletter. The newsletter is where I do all my best stuff. So definitely sign up for that. Uh, I've got two podcasts, Wrong and Wronger and 10 Minutes to Save Your Marriage. You can find those wherever you listen to podcasts. And then my Twitter feed is at explodingunicorn without the E. Or you can look for me on Instagram as James underscore Breakwell. And I have to I have to tell everybody, go out and buy these books. They're awesome. And uh, James, really enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks for having me. I had fun. <laughs>